In August 2015, Gary Newman and Dana Walden, co-chairs and CEOs at Fox, met with journalists to discuss the upcoming Prison Break reboot. When questioned about the reasoning behind rebooting this particular show, Walden remarked that people are still interested in these characters. And she was right. Prison Break remains one of the most successful library shows on Netflix. What is it about these properties that make them so ripe for being remade? A cynic might argue that it's the result of a tired system relying on fond nostalgia to gather as much cash as possible from a sinking ship. But what if it were something more? What if there was some intangible quality that couldn't be quantified? This show is about the search for that essence. This is still interested for Curio. Welcome back to Still Interested, our TV and film reboot remake podcast for Curio. I'm, as always, your 6,000 postcode reppin' boy, Ben McAllister. And I'm your 2,000 man, Jackson Newsom. Yeah, living in the year 2000, but also in Sydney. I thought a lot about, like, coming on with, like, a, with a new accent, essentially. Yeah, and a, and a stage name or a screen yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jackson St. Clair or something. Fuck. Okay, can we can we go back to the top? I'm just gonna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So things things are a little different now that we live on other sides of the the country. It means we don't watch the movies together anymore, which is different. We both had to watch this movie in our own time, independently, and then find this time to come together and record a podcast about it. I've just watched the end of the movie like half an hour ago. I understand you watched it last night. That's uh, correct. Yeah, but. We're yet to reveal what movie that is that we're talking about, of course. Now, before we do that, I just want to say, man, I'm loving this genre. I know you are too. We're dipping our toes back in a pool that we've dipped them in before. You know, some like <laughs> deep 80s slasher horror. Yeah, dude. I believe you're talking about Wes Craven's 1984, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, dude. And like, we talked a bit at the time when we were watching uh, Friday the 13th on this show about how you were a real Jason fan growing up. I've always been a real Elm Street boy myself, much more than I was into like the Friday the 13th films. I've always been into a nightmare on Elm Street. I remember watching these shits when I was younger. I've, I've seen both the original and the remake of this movie, but like a long, long time ago. So it was a really, really nice to dip back in. I just wanted to say, man, I don't know about how you feel about this. I feel like obviously this movie has the benefit of time and the benefit of a bit more exploration of the genre than Friday the 13th. I feel like this is a better movie. Yeah, I would say it's... Now, in terms of spooks, I definitely found Friday the 13th to at least have some. I don't think this film is particularly scary anymore, but it's certainly more entertaining, I think. But the stuff that goes into the spooks, man, is so much better. Like, all the spooks in Friday the 13th are like, ah, there's a noise, ah, someone just came in through the window. Like, this shit is like supernatural terror. And like, some of the, like, the effects are awesome. They still largely hold up. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's very Yeah, fair. with a few notable exceptions that I'm sure yeah. we'll point out. They do hold up quite well, actually. <laughs> like, that's the one thing I, I was thinking, like, throughout. Like, these, like, the spooks, like, yeah, whilst they're not actually really very scary in 2018, you still got to respect them. Like, they're really well constructed. And, like, it's, Definitely. Just, it's really cool. Some, some of them are more, like like, disturbing than they are scary, but, like, it's kind of hampered by the sort of goofy nature of some of the other stuff in the movie. It rolls into into the the particular style of our, of our, uh, our paranormal psychological villain. It's I think he's a very particular yeah. aesthetic. First thing I've noted is 
nothing quite like a little spooky music intro montage with like lights up on Freddy Krueger. If you don't know who it is, spoiler, spoiler. Uh, he's like making some knife gloves that are going to go on his hands. What I want to know at this point is this, like, a throwback to, like, a live Freddy Krueger, like, before he was killed, spoiler, spoiler? Or is this, like, dead Freddy Krueger in the dreamscape? Because if he's still alive at this point, why is he, like, breathing all creepily and going, like, yeah when he, like, slides the gloves on? And if he's dead, why is he handcrafting gloves in the dreamscape? Why doesn't he just use some of his dream magic? What it implies is that, like, rather than using dream magic, it's all actually practical effects. And so that the reason why Freddy only rocks up in the night is because he spends all day working on these elaborate Home Alone traps and then, like, (laughs) it takes him all day and then he has to enact them real time. There's no magic. It's just just practical effects. That would explain things later. And if we're going to talk about Home Alone traps, we should definitely not jump the gun. Uh, (laughs) So, I want to say, spooky and or just general intro montage, we've said it before, I'll say it again, that's always remakeable. I hope there is such a thing. Highly remakeable, dude. Very much so. We also then roll on from here, uh, from this from this very breathy intro, into like literally some credits just like swarm in from the bottom of the screen, just flying on up, yeah. which I really appreciated in that classic 80s style. And who's that in this movie? I believe it's introducing one Johnny Depp. One Jonathan Depp of all people! Like, can you fucking believe it? This is literally, this is Johnny Depp's film debut. It's also worth talking about, yeah, the music here is baller as hell, as you sort of implied, but also that like, Freddy Krueger? is referred to uh, in the credits as Fred Krueger. Yeah, I mean, which... he goes by Fred Krueger all throughout this movie. Like, he doesn't start being called Freddy until later in the franchise. He calls himself Freddy. Like, I think he refers to himself as Freddy, but everyone else calls him Fred Krueger. And I think, like, culturally yeah. now, being aware of what Freddy Krueger is, it's like, it's really hard to hear someone being like, do you know about Fred Krueger? Yeah, you know Fred it's Kruger? like that's yeah, dude. It's like <laughs> it's like Jason Voorhees not being in the first Friday the Thirteenth yeah. film. Yeah, it's it's really fucking bizarre. Later movies, he's called Freddy like all throughout. Like the, there's obviously Freddy versus Jason, where they're like obviously he's referred to as that in the title. Like the later movies lean into it a bit harder, but yeah, no, he's totally just Fred Fred Krueger in the credits, and he calls himself Freddy, which is a bit of characterization for you. Oh, I wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I, I get it, I get it, because Fred Krueger, he's alive. Fred die, Freddy, he's dead. That's the distinction oh, the film makes. Dude, that literally must be it. There's no other That's explanation. <laughs> that must be it. Like they must He didn't become Freddy till after he died. <laughs> This is the most stupid thing I've ever said in my entire life, but it's probably somewhere. <laughs> it must be it, man. It simply must be. Um, so, so like, we're in a spooky warehouse. There's this girl in these old-timey bedclothes. I bet we're meant to intuit that it's a dream because, like, a lamb moves past the corridor, which, like, by the way, symbolism. You know, yeah. fucking the lamb, the young lady. Lamb's like, the yeah, slaughter, okay, yes, yeah. we get it. We get it, Wes. And so yeah. she's moving All right, around. Wes. I do like the fact that the movie comes right in with a spook, though. Like, it's not fucking around. Like, it's, you know, yeah. straight into a scene where this girl's moving through this creepy warehouse. We're getting glimpses of Freddy. Very different to, yeah, Friday the 13th, which I'm sure we'll, like, jump back to a lot, given that it's, like, the other yeah. one in the franchise that we fucked with, or this uh, genre we fucked with. But, yeah, that film sort of, like, brings you in slowly. And Whereas this one, it feels like from the get-go, like, you're in. 
like right once you're in this, like, this movie. It's not fucking around. It's a 90 minute movie no, and it does not fuck about. I also have to say, I have to say, and is it is it because of this film? But like, what the fuck is it with pipes and horror movies? Like, do you find that like so often when anything gets spooky, it's like get some pipes, throw in some really damp sounds, and everyone's gonna feel yeah, like really some creeped steam. out. Yeah, yeah, I dude. don't know. I guess it's just like maybe it's like it's like one of those things. Like, there's certain things that we just like know human beings are kind of like triggered towards finding scary, like really sharp and pipes. Pipes is top of the like, list. Hail- yeah, pipes yeah, is one of those things. <laughs> I guess yeah. human hate pipe yeah the Romans died the, the Roman Empire crumbled because of lead in the pipes and it's scarred <laughs> scarred the human race ever since then anytime anyone sees pipes now they just get freaked out we get a, a glimpse around a corner as this lady who we later learn is named Tina is walking around in this like spooky warehouse full of steamy pipes we get a glimpse of Freddy Krueger in his iconic fedora and I gotta wonder <sighs> man in 2018 that- does the fedora play like, yeah, listen, if, if I was... a spooky villain wearing a fedora? I mean, honestly, I, I, I wonder if they're going to just remaster it and then, like, just get, get rid of the fedora in post, because it just doesn't work. I'm pretty sure he's wearing the fedora in the 2010 film. I, I mean, he definitely is, but, like, if, if I was the producer, like, I'd go back and be like, let's be just like, get rid of that. G- yeah, give him a trilby instead. Give him a trucker cap, like it's 2010. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, a trucker cap. <laughs> Oh, dude, can you imagine if he, went, if he went back as a producer and we're like, we're going to put Make America Great Again hats on on all the Freddies in all the films as, like, a political comment. And you went back and watched all these films and it's just Freddy in like, the Make America Great Again hat. It's, like, not exactly clear what the political comment is. It's, like, it's, it's never, like, obliquely referred to in the film. Like, it's the same exact movie. He's just wearing a manga hat the whole time. There's all, there's also the scene later on where, like, the hat itself becomes very important and it's just, like, yeah, Nancy just holding like, on this hat. <laughs> where did you get that? I threw it out, Nancy. <laughs> he corners her and she's, like, Hello, and then he like jumps up behind her, and it's very spooky. And she wakes up in her bed, and in this classic movie nonsense, she wakes up in her bed. It doesn't seem like she really made all that much noise. Her bedroom door immediately opens. Her mom is there, like immediately the second she wakes up, and she's like, "Hey, what's going on?" And she's like, "I just had a bad dream." Looks down, realizes the front of her nightgown is shredded because Freddie had slashed it with his claws, and her mom's response is, "Well, you better cut your fingernails." <laughs> Dude, I, I hope you're not snoozing on the fact that this random man comes up and then turns <laughs> turns to the mum who is, like, dealing with her, like, terrified daughter and is like, hey, baby, when are you going to get back in the sack? And I was like, like, <laughs> like, who is this sexual man and why was it so important to show at this point in the movie? I just assumed like, that was her dad, but, like, we never see these parents again, so I suppose it doesn't like, matter. That- it has to be, like, like a boyfriend, right? There's no way that a dad comes in being like, huh, my daughter nearly tore open her own nightgown because she's so terrified by a nightmare. Hey, hey, Marge, we gonna go, we gonna go fuck? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I assumed it was gonna come back, I think, which is why it didn't, like, trigger that much for me. It didn't make it any sense. become relevant. Dude, dude, yeah. that, that's the character's one line in the film. Like, that was, that was his <laughs> contribution to this cultural touchstone. Hey, baby, when are you going to get back in the Man, sack with me? Hang on, i got to find out who that actor is now. Hang tight. <laughs> i got to know who he is and what, and what he's called in the script. Okay, dude, that is Paul Grenier as T. 
Tina's mum's boyfriend. <laughs> I told name. you, dude. I told you, Tina's mum's boyfriend. Oh my god, dude. This is the saddest thing I probably have seen in a while. Paul Grenier is an actor and casting director known for A Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Made in America. And Shelter from the Storm. Oh, no, dude. <laughs> That's not He's in A Nightmare on Elm Street as Tina's mom's boyfriend. He was in the sound department on Made in America. And he was the casting director in a 1994 movie called Shelter from the Storm. Dude, stop it. Are you telling me right now that the, this man's only contribution as an actor to the cinematic history of the United States <laughs> is as Tina's mom's boyfriend? Or indeed the world. <laughs> yes, that is his entire acting credentials. <laughs> Regardless of, like, fucking this crazy dude, uh, Tina's mom's boyfriend, her response to her daughter's night yarn being torn open is cut your fingernails, which is pretty fucking insane. Yeah, uh, but we're moving right along. So it's the next morning, Tina's heading to school. As she's walking out to the curb to meet her friends, we get some spooky little kids singing a spooky yeah. song. And I gotta wonder, did this franchise invent, like, the spooky little kids? I'm not really sure. Ooh, uh, when did Poltergeist happen? And or The Shinning, I suppose. But these spooky little kids are singing a song as they're doing some jump rope. They're like, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Which, if you're a fan of this franchise, that is iconic. That's a fucking iconic-ass song. This is these teens, they get in a car, they're rolling up to head to school. You better believe that's Johnny Depp. It's Tina and her friends Glenn and Nancy. Glenn, of course, being Johnny Depp. And then this other fuckboy shows up. His name we later learn is Rod. But, like, man, there's too much happening in this scene. I literally couldn't take notes fast enough. Tina's there talking about her dream. She's like, there was this spooky guy in my dream. And then, like, someone else is like, oh, just ignore dreams. Don't worry about it. And then Rod shows up and he's like, oh, I had a bone this morning, Tina, with your name written all over it. And she's like, oh, how could your little dick fit all the four letters in my name, Rod? <laughs> Except it's not quite that explicit. Yeah, you know what he, you know what he follows it up with? Hey, up yours with a twirling lawnmower, which is my first title yeah, pitch for this movie. Yeah, dude, I had the exact same thing. <laughs> So, I, I had to give him an MVP, so she, dude. Like, I, I, know that I don't, I don't, oh, I don't condone this behavior. Whoa, that's, but like, that's early, man. <laughs> No, dude, literally, like, he ca- he comes in and, like, this is probably more for the actor than for, like, the character, but this guy comes in and has to deal with some of the most, like, <laughs> some of the most challenging dialogue I've ever seen any actor have to deal with. And he, he does it with a plum, I have to say. He does not do a bad job, that's certainly yeah. true. Um, so anyway, Tina, Tina tells her friends about this, how this spooky man reminded her of a song for some reason. And then, yeah, I guess, like, uh, Johnny Depp's character, Glenn, implies that he's had some spooky dreams as well. Uh, But then the bell rings for school, and he smooches Nancy and just runs away so ineffectually. Did you also notice, like, he ran away in such a strange way? It was like, he's just like, ah, I'm gonna be late for class! (laughs) So, now it's time for some teen antics! They're all hanging out at Tina's house. Because because <laughs> Tina was spooked and she didn't want to like sleep in her house by herself, so she's got Glenn and Nancy around. They're all there. Uh, yeah, I guess Tina's mom and boyfriend are away. <laughs> it's, it's, we've got to fill yeah, in context here, but I assume so, right? It's not actually made clear. I did ask later, like, where the fuck is Tina's mom? Like, it's never actually explained <laughs> yeah. in the scene. Where's Paul Grenier, uh, dude? That What's that dude up to? Yeah, yeah, dude. I gotta see more. Um, so so Glenn needs to convince his mom that he's hanging out at his cousin's who lives out near the airport. 
airport. So he like plays this like tape player playing like sounds of planes taking off and it goes wrong and like there starts being like sounds of car crashes and it's all very fun. Uh, fun teen antics are always remakeable as far as I'm concerned on this show. Dude, 100%. It's just such a fun con. Like, it's, a, it's, a, it's like, it's a good con that any kid in America can go and play on their mum or dad or significant other or guardian. You just get a boombox with a range of like special effects and sounds and that sort of thing and then you just go ham pressing little buttons and spooking out your family members like Glenn's mum's like what's going on and he's like ah oh, it's neighbors in a fight don't don't buy like surely the jig is up but like she just doesn't give a fuck yep. You would have to assume that the jig is up at that point, but I guess his mum doesn't <laughs> care. Which I don't know. We, yeah. we we later meet Glenn's parents, and they're very strange people. So we'll, we'll, yeah, you know, maybe I bizarre. believe it. Man, I gotta say, this movie is moving quickly because like Tina's talking to Nancy. They realize they've both had dreams about the same creepy guy with a long fingered glove. Like they they've already figured this out. Like we're what like fourteen minutes into the movie, and they already know what's happening. Like that's pretty mm. sweet. Then, of course, yeah. they hear a noise, and they go outside, and it's like, oh, shit, because Nancy's talking about how this guy with these long fingernails used to, like, scrape them on metal in her dreams and make spooky noises, and then they start hearing, like, and they're like, we better go investigate, oh, and of course, Johnny You're Depp, as Glenn, is so brave. I mean, he's not really brave so much as the other two girls grab him and then forcibly use him as a human shield. Like, he... Yeah, he's a meat shield. I, I, yeah, they literally grab him and, like, just using him as, like, some sort of battering ram to, like, clear a path through the outside. He goes out there and he steps away from them and he's like, whoever's out there, I'm gonna knock your lights out. <laughs> and then, of course, who is out there? It's Rod! Rod tackles Glenn onto the ground and has some more ridiculous dialogue. What's going on here, an orgy or something? <laughs> so, at this point, I can agree with you. I can agree with you that the actor deserves an MVP nom, but for me, the character gets an LVP nom for this and the later things that occur. He's so terrible. I hate him so much. By this, do you mean... And this this is why, I mean, I, I think it holds up for the actor and not the character. Um... <laughs> there's a scene where there's some back and forth between Glenn and Rod, who presumably, if they're both dating this pair of best friends, they probably know each other, like, pretty okay. They sort of trash talk each other, and then Rod pulls a fucking knife on Glenn. Yeah, dude! <laughs> he pulls a knife! Like he's, he's just kind of like, yeah, fuck it, dude, I'll, I'll fucking gut you right here. And then Tina's like, no, let's go inside yeah, and no. have sex. And, uh, and fuck they do oh Jackson we can't get to that just yet we just can't because I've got my first mighty goof for you oh, so okay. this is a goof written by written by a fan so uh, yeah of course it's revealed that the, the spooky sound they heard was like uh, Rod scraping some gardening tool on something to make a scratchy noise which like one may very well ask the question why was he doing that to spook them he doesn't know about the dreams that they're having and not only might one make this uh, particular comment, someone on IMDb definitely has. Here is a word-for-word quote of a goof. This is a goof from the movie, as far as this IMDb user is concerned. There's literally no reason for Rod to bring the cultivator, parentheses, gardening tool, to the party, and no reason to think it would scare the girls, because he doesn't know about Tina and Nancy's bad dreams about the razor glove, which the cultivator is similar to, also in parentheses. It was simply included in the script as foreshadowing, but it could suggest he's been having similar bad dreams as the others, but hasn't shared them. So someone's gone deep on the psychology of Rod here. I mean, don't we literally find that out? Like, this is like a spoiler, but like... 
That that's in the film. Why is that person? Like, yeah, he's. I mean, it could mean this because that literally is in the film. Like Rod literally shares that he had similar dreams to the rest of them later on. It's true. Literally, very soon, he's like, "You don't have a monopoly on scary dreams." Yeah, but like, did this person pause the film and like write down the note, post it, keep watching, and then be like, "Ah." Fuck. Like, they do cover I can, that. I can only assume. Tina and Rod are noisily fucking. Nancy's not into it, leaving Glenn to sit by himself and sit on the couch and listen to Tina and Rod noisily fucking. While commenting, morality sucks. <laughs> I didn't hear that he said that. That's really yeah. funny. Um, yeah. So we're back upstairs with Tina and Rod. If you know anything about horror movies, you know who's probably going to die soon. It's the people yeah. who fuck. So, uh, of course... They have some awful dialogue afterwards where Rod's like, so we're cool now, right? No more fights. And then Tina says, Jungle Man, fix Jane. Oh, God. Which is I had a that title too, pitch dude. for me. And oh, uh, also, God. I guess, an implication that she's fucked. he's fucked the bad vibes right out of her. Uh, she's like, great. Finally, I can get some sleep. And he's like, yeah, I also have nightmares. I guess validating that IMDb uses plot hole. Yeah, there you and, go. Uh, then, yeah, they, they go straight to sleep. So we have Tina waking up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, having, like, heard something. So yeah. she pops right up, goes to the window. Like, someone's, like, kind of, like, throwing rocks at her window. Yeah. yeah, it's like there's some kind of noise. Yeah, and then we're in another room where Nancy's asleep in a bed. And there's some, like, Stranger Things-esque face pushing through a wall shit going on. Oh, there's so like a, dope, dude. Like a face coming in on the wall. Dude, like, okay, this is the point where I got to write. Like, it comes up a lot later, but, like, practical spook effects? Really remakeable. So remakeable, dude. So remakeable. I really hope they keep on that shit, because the practical effects in this movie are, by and large, as we said, very, very good. So, <clears throat> I guess Tina hears someone calling her name, like, Tina. I guess yeah. Freddy's just busy, right? Like, he's on both girls. He's spooking over Nancy's bed. Although, like, Nancy's asleep. So what exactly is his goal there is a valid question one can ask. He, like, yeah. leans through the wall and looks at her and then, like, moves away and goes and, like, lures Tina out into an alley. That's true. Who is that for? Because Tina can't see that. No, exactly. It's happening in a, in a separate room. I gotta say, dude, Tina is so fucking brave. She's had all this spooky shit happening. She hears, like, someone mysteriously in the night being like, Tina! And she, like, goes outside at midnight by herself, like, walking into now, the alley. Now, dude, he here I have a mighty goof of my own in that oh. literally, like, three minutes ago, we saw Tina using Johnny Depp, a teenage Johnny Depp, as a human meat shield. And then upon hearing a noise here, she's like, well, you know I gotta go check that out. And then yeah, dude, walks and out without any pants on. She doesn't even wake up her jock boyfriend who's asleep <laughs> right next to her. She doesn't She doesn't even take the knife that she knows he has. <laughs> okay, that's, yeah, but I gotta say though, dude, stupid, yes. Brave also. So Tina gets Certainly an MVP brave. nom for me here for just the absolute Certainly bravery. Brave. Of course it's Freddy. She, she ends up in a little alleyway, and who's that standing at the end of the alley? It's Freddy with really long arms! Like, oh, okay, this now this one so does funny. not hold up. No, have you have you seen that uh, Monty Python bit where it's the guy with the really long arms, and he's like, where, oh, where did my fishy go? It's from one of those like Monty Python movies, like Meaning of Life or something, one of the little interstitial groups. I just could not stop thinking about that at this point. Like, he's standing <laughs> in the alley, and this, this is the thing, like, okay, there's a lot of, like, kooky dreams 
dream stuff that happens throughout this movie, which is awesome. Like, whenever they're in dream space, there's, like, weird shit going on. And, like, you know, Freddy seems to have a lot of supernatural powers. He's just got really long arms, like, stuck out to either side of him. And it's not scary. And it never comes back. And he's, like, chasing her down the alley with these stupidly long arms. Well, that's what I mean. This, this is when we start to see that Freddy maybe isn't fucking terrifying and is just kind of like a goofball. Because, like, mm. there are a few of these where he's just, like, almost playing for laughs. And it's like, Freddy, are you trying to spook them? Because this is more just, like, kind of uncomfortable than it is particularly terrifying. I got two more mighty goofs for you right now, my friend. So, uh, the first one is... When Freddy scapes his claws along the with his arms elongated while chasing Nancy down the lane, you can clearly see the skin under his glove is normal. Anyone who was burned to death would be scarred from head to toe. <laughs> so, I guess that's something that you, I you mean, need to consider. Yeah, that's a pretty good point, actually. And uh, here's the second one. Okay, yeah. Throughout the movie, this is interesting, throughout the movie, along with all the sequels, Freddy's razor glove is on his right hand. But when he's chasing Tina, there's a shot where it's on his left hand. The only time in this movie or any of the sequels he has the razor glove on his left hand. That's actually kind of interesting. Yeah, that's a definite... So is that just like continuity goof that they're just like... Yeah, I guess. Like, they just fucked it up. That one's actually... That's a goof. Yeah, it's a straight goof, man. It's a real goof. That's our first goof, dude. Our first true goof. That isn't just someone on IMDb being really shitty about something unnecessary. Yeah. Let's get back into the scene. This little chase scene is actually pretty hype. He's, like, chasing her down the alley. He's, like, teleporting all over the place. He's popping out from behind trees. He's cutting yeah. his own fingers off to spook Tina. He, like, so that's, that's, that's one her. thing where he literally, like, he pops out behind a tree and he's like, Hey! And then cuts off his own fingers. And he's, he's like, like ah, look at this! Yeah, which is bizarre. It's also worth noting his run. Now, listen, yeah, Robert, right. Eng- Robert Englund has done a lot of good things for this genre of movie. It is worth noting that the man can't run in a particularly terrifying way. <laughs> and kind of no, just, like-, like, shimmies his body from side to side while he's wearing yeah. this, like, fedora and, like, Christmas sweater. And he's, like, flailing his arms out at the side, like, yeah! It's like, who yeah. gave him that direction to be like, yeah, run spooky? And he was like, bleh, bleh. <laughs> He runs like someone who's like seen Dracula cartoons, but never Dracula. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but he catches her, he tackles her. She like rips his face off and there's like a skeleton face underneath. It's like super scary. But of course, she's actually been asleep this whole time. She's in bed. She wakes up. Freddy's there in bed like fucking around like slashing her rod wakes up he's like tina he gets like pushed across the room he's in the corner like tina is just like vomiting blood because freddy's slashing the shit out of her she's getting picked up by like invisible hands like rod and we the viewers can't see what's going on but she's like up in the corner of the ceiling she's getting dragged along the roof like this scene was actually pretty straight fucked up dude like it's intense right in front of the camera like this scene was actually hype as hell but here is particularly where I wanted to give Rod my LVP nomination because he does absolutely nothing. Like that's he fair. That's fair. He's crouched in the corner of the room with his arm like weakly outstretched towards Tina, who's on the ceiling, just going, "Tina, oh, Tina, no, <laughs> Tina," for like ninety seconds while she's getting butchered before his very eyes. He also follows it up with like once she's finally finally dead just like we hear off screen as nancy is going has woken up and he's gonna go check it out who did this i'll kill you and then he jumps <laughs> out the window grizzly deaths of teens highly remakeable oh dude 
Is it just like a cultural frustration with like teenagers, and I guess you'd probably say millennials now, um, <laughs> that like it just gives you such a visceral thrill? Like, is that where this genre came from? It's like, yeah, we're just gonna grab those damn teens and like tear them apart in front of you. I think it's also because yeah, everyone just like feels that like you know they're not like young and sexy anymore. And so, therefore, everyone who is should be killed. Yeah, that's fair, actually. So, like, uh, immediately Nancy and Glenn come in, and they see, like, the dead body of Tina and all the blood, and Rod's not there, and they're like, whoa, and they call the cops, and they're down at the fucking, I don't know, police station. Turns out Nancy's dad is the police chief. He comes to, like, an interrogation room where Nancy's hanging out, and just immediately starts yelling at her about having a party. Like, her friend just got murdered, and his immediate response is like, why were you hanging out with girls, and you were supposed to be at home in bed, and it's like, wow, man. Nancy's mum turns to her and is like, well, maybe you don't think murder is serious. Like, what yeah, the fuck exactly. are you saying, mum? And she's like, how are you saying I'm not taking this seriously? Like, it's so bizarre. And to get this, like, weird family dynamic, it's just kind of like, oh, I guess they're divorced. Cool. What is this scene even fucking about? Are they divorced? I don't even know. Like, it's it's n- never explicitly stated. All of the family dynamics in this film are so strange. Like, yeah. we don't know anything about Tina's family. Like, I guess there's a mum and her boyfriend who has one line of dialogue. And we, spoiler, never see either of those characters ever again in the film now that Tina's dead. Like, yeah. we see Nancy's mum and dad together and separate at different times. But, like, we never see him, like, in the house other than towards the end of the film. Like, I don't know if he lives there and he's just all always working is the police chief or if they're divorced well, like is it ever stated that they're divorced well because he had to break in at the end right and so i think the vibe and and also from what she said like no because he comes in and the mum's like hello donald like it's um i think we're very much meant to get the vibe that like mum and dad they're aren't together anymore. or something yeah okay fair enough uh but then there's like you know glenn's parents they're the only couple that are like still together in the film like the only the only pair of parents and they're, they're fucked that's they're just they're just weird they're just strange people for a reason that we will make clear apparently rod is the main suspect in tina's murder because you know of course he is he was the only one who was in the room when she died and he fled the scene yeah. so <laughs> rod's the main suspect and fucking nancy's like oh it wasn't rod there's no way i gotta say though now it's the next morning nancy's waking up she's getting ready to go to school and nancy's mom is like darling don't go to school you should get some sleep and she's like no it's cool mom i'll sleep in study hall and the look that nancy's mom is rocking at this point dude she's in like a blue linen blazer with like a big brooch and like some white linen pants she looks it's so like fresh as hell dude. she looks yeah. fresh dude like she really looks fucking really tight Nancy's walking to school she turns around and there's some old dude yeah basically she's just like walking along and there's like this old guy staring at her and I wrote that down I was kind of like whoa what's that spooky boy doing there huh yeah. and then as she walks I actually now just realised what's going on but yeah it's, it's really yeah, strange yeah it, it makes sense what, what, for what happens but like she just sees this random dude looking at her and she's like that's weird keeps walking along and then fucking Rod pops out of the bushes I guess he was hanging out outside her house the whole time or like near it yeah and yeah. like drags her into the bushes and he's like whoa hey I didn't do it man you gotta believe me but yeah, then he's, like, he's like grabbing her being like I'm not gonna hurt you I'm not gonna hurt you this, it, this is a dumb plan from Rod and it's actually really making me 
me question. Like, I, the, I gave it to the actor, obviously, but, like, yeah. all things Rod get, like, way, way worse after that, after the beginning, because he's just, like, he hasn't thought it through at all. It's, like, the, the dumbest plan in the world to, like, visibly kidnap someone in broad daylight and be like, hey, I'm not a violent guy. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But then, of course, Nancy's dad shows up, Lieutenant Thompson. He doesn't get a first name. I guess it's Donald, as, yeah, as you said. Oh, dude, the Donald? Nice. This Trump jokes? Oh, Donald. Dude, there you um, go. Fucking hell yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, turns out he used Nancy as bait to get Rod. And she's like, you used me as bait? I can't believe it. But Rod's been arrested now. Yeah, hey, that's excellent police work from Donald. I got, I got to be honest. Yeah, I mean, let my child be adu- abducted by a violent, uh, what I suspect to be a violent criminal. That's pretty good police work. You can't deny yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, particularly if you, don't, if you don't seem to particularly care about the well-being of your child, like, it's just kind of like, great. Like, you may as well. Now, I gotta, I gotta ask at this point, because this is a mighty goof. This is an actual goof. Another actual goof. Around here, when Rod is cornered by the police, he stops and raises his hands, and you hear him say, I'm cool, I'm cool, but his mouth clearly isn't moving. Which begs the question, is this whole movie dubbed? Is all the dialogue dubbed? Because I kind of feel like it is. Like, because all the dialogue and sound effects are so strange in this film. Like, it all just feels really weird, like, when there is or isn't, like, like music or dialogue happening. There's, like, no ambient noise. It's one of those kinds of things. Yeah, definitely. Def- and I think because there's just so much music as well. Like, wh- whoever's playing the synth live in the cinema is just, like got their work cut out for them. Now, we're in English class, and Nancy's fallen asleep because someone's reading some boring-ass Shakespeare. She, like, falls asleep, then she's, like, you know, awake, but in this, like, weird dream version of reality because the guy at the front of the class is now reading, like, in a spooky whisper. And, dude, this is another one of those things where I'm like, this spook is actually, like, again, not really today, but, like, certainly at the time, this is, like, actually fucking scary. Like, she looks over out of the door of the classroom, and there's, like, Tina covered in blood in a body bag. Like, her yeah, best she's friend chilling her just blood died. Bag, and she's yeah. like, Nancy. And then she, like, gets dragged out of frame. Like, that's fucking scary, man. Yeah, dude. Nancy seems to have a real trouble actually reacting to anything with any believability because upon seeing her best friend that was murdered in a body bag who gets dragged out of the room, she's kind of like, huh. and just kind of like slowly follows the body and then she bumps into this hall monitor who's wearing Freddy's jumper yeah dude okay this is sweet actually I love this man like cause like one of the things that's iconic about Freddy is the like red and green like shitty jumper that he wears like the stripy jumper she bumps into this hall monitor wearing a Freddy jumper and I was like oh shit you know some shit's about to go down Then, then there's this really weird ineffectual exchange where the hall monitor's like where's your pass and Nancy's like Screw your pass. Just like these really shitty lines. And then moves right past her. But... Yeah, the whole monitor spins around holding Freddy's glove. And it's kind of like, huh? 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 And it's like, what the fuck was that, Freddy? Like, why? Like, he he, he really workshops his stuff. Like, there, there, there's a few in there which could have been left on the cutting room floor, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, I like your take on Freddy, where he just spends all day, like, workshopping goofs and also props. And then, like, yeah. he was like, oh, what I'll do is I'll, like, disguise myself as the hall monitor, and then I'll just fucking do, like, a weird thing where I turn to her and, like, brandish my glove. That'll really fucking freak her out. Well, the thing is, do we have, do we have a, a read on what he was doing for work before this happened because like there's a a strong possibility right because there's a strong possibility that he was practicing prop comedy in his past and that this is just like (laughs) his dream is prop comedy which is everyone else's nightmare and maybe that's the meaning of the film maybe dude so Mm. I gotta say dude 
following the like supernaturally dragged body of your dead best friend down into a basement is pretty stupid, especially when you've just seen someone wearing the fucking like Freddy glove that you know, although she doesn't know it as the Freddy glove yet, but she's seen it on a spooky man. Like she's got to know she's either dreaming or in some kind of mortal danger. Yeah, what is it about these dreams that gives these formerly terrified girls like seemingly unconquerable courage? Because like as yeah. soon as they're in one of these dreams, like even though they we can see them get terrified and run away from things in the dreams it's kind of like in order to further the plot they're kind of like hmm well I'm sure it's nothing like yeah. I'm sure I mean, like that's... Tina being dragged through the school is probably nothing I'll go check it out yeah I mean that's like a classic trope I guess like Wes Craven would probably tell you like you know you have like a spooky dream where spooky shit's happening but it doesn't seem that spooky at the time because it's dream world and dream logic and like you just kind of go mm. with it and then later you're like whoa that was scary so like maybe that's the idea but if that's the idea it could be made more clear because yeah, it just feels it really be. unbelievable it well like does. yeah she could just react with some fright or something I don't know so spooky Fredward is following her <laughs> the basement and uh she gets cornered and freddy's there and she's like oh no but i guess she realizes she's in a dream because she like slams her arm into like a fucking boiler and like gets a burn on her arm and that wakes her up but like wow that burn makeup is shitty do you reckon that, that that's because like the pipe was hot or it's just like humanity's aversion to uh to pipes that actually causes <laughs> physical damage to us it's it's like a, a, a crucifix for a vampire like us yeah pipes, exactly exactly you get I any mean, pipes I, close to anyone yeah if i get too close to my walls i start feeling uncomfortable yeah. um <laughs> so like she's got the burn on her arm now on uh in in the real space but two things one Wow, that burn makeup looks shitty. She wakes up, she's in class, her English teacher's like, I'll call your mom, and she's like, it's fine, it's fine, and she, like, runs outside crying, and wow, is her crying unconvincing. Sorry, yeah. Heather Lung and Camp, you're doing... Listen. Yeah, you could call it phoning it in. And yeah. here's one more thing that fucks this up even further. Another mighty goof, an actual goof yet again. Like, I must say, like, the goofs on this movie, for the most part, were actual goofs. To wake herself up, Nancy smashes the outside of her arm against the boiler, but when she wakes up, the burn is on the inside of her wrist. So there you go. Just straight goofed it. Like, I guess continuity wasn't that important in the 80s. Everyone was on coke, I guess. So no one really gave a yeah, shit. Yeah, I mean, th- there wasn't, like, a, a straightforward arrow of time until, like, 1997. Yeah, that's true. That's when they figured it out. <laughs> yeah, up until that time, things just kind of happened, like, slightly out of order. Yeah. And slightly, yeah. You know. Yeah, that that's when uh, what was it, Mister Greenwich? I think he he like yeah. he just like arbitrarily was like, time goes forward now. I know we've yeah. been jumping back and forth and in and out, but we're gonna go forward from now on. It's nineteen ninety seven. It's nearly the it's nearly the new millennium. Yeah, and we need to have our time figured out so we can all celebrate New Year's Eve nineteen ninety nine together and get fucking yeah. tanked. Also, the world's gonna end during Y two K, and so we should figure out when that is exactly. <laughs> the way he did it, though, like a lot of people thought he was like really overzealous and rude, and that's why they called it Greenwich Mean Time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell, dude. <laughs> this is a dumb show. Yeah, it's really. <laughs> Greenwich's mean time, and then over time we drop the possessive apostrophe. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I. <laughs> <laughs> he was the most in- <laughs> he was a super in- intelligent being that came down to to earth to tell us how we should actually move time forward but he didn't have a great grip on the, grip on the english language and so he was like <laughs> Greenwich mean time and then just like <laughs> and we were like oh. Okay, what have you <laughs> Anytime Greenwich is around you know that means time yeah <laughs> Yeah I mean how else do you explain it So <laughs> 
<laughs> no one, there's no other way to explain why that's it's it. called that. Dude, that's it. Yeah. So, uh, fucking Nancy goes down the jail to visit Rod, and it's like a really annoying scene, because he's doing that thing where he's now explaining what the audience has already seen. He's like, yeah, I don't know, she was just being lifted up in bed by this supernatural force, and uh, I couldn't see what it was, but there was someone else in there, I know it, and when her, when she got cut, it seemed like there were like... Like, I don't know, maybe like four raises at once. <laughs> and then Nancy's like, oh, oh, God. That's the most fucking absurd thing to take away. I'd be like, yeah, when she's yeah. being cut into by invisible blades, it looked like there were four of them in like a yeah. sort of glove-like arrangement. It's like, oh, yeah, right, you know, exactly. And then, of course, so fucking Nancy puts it together that it's, you know, the same spooky man she's now dreamed about multiple times, which, like, to be fair, like, come on, Nancy. You just ended up in, like, a supernatural dungeon where you actually got burned, like, in the real world. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should fucking put, put it together. Shit together by now. Um, so Rod says some, some stupid shit here. He's like, I probably could have saved her if I moved sooner. Oh, <laughs> like, man. Yeah, dude, you might have been able to. But as it is, you didn't even try. He just sat there going, Tina! While she got fucking butchered. He explains that he's also dreamed of a man wearing the glove, so I guess maybe that explains why he thought about it in terms of the glove. And then in classic movie moment, like, Nancy just walks out, like, without explaining it. She's just like, oh, and just leaves. And Rod's like, yeah, hey. She's, she's kind of like, yeah, enjoy jail bye yeah, like, yeah, bye lol <laughs> glad you didn't kill my friend so now we get this iconic scene where nancy's in the bathtub and she's like you know like nodding off to sleep because i guess she hasn't been sleeping very well and her mum's like don't fall asleep in there nancy you could drown and it's put, <laughs> i gotta i gotta say man this mum is on the ball like mm. she's 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 there she's attending she's like oh you better get some sleep honey like oh don't fall asleep in the bath like she really wants what's best for her daughter but of course nancy does fall asleep and this like iconic hand scene happens where it's like we get a shot like up in between nancy's legs like the poking out of the bath water and like freddie's gloved hand like pops up through the water and like it's about to grab her and then like the mum knocks on the door and is like i've made some warm milk for you sweetheart and i'm just like god damn this mum dude yeah. but then nancy's the just like gross warm milk yeah <laughs> the mum leaves and nancy gets dragged the fuck under the water she's like fighting to get to the surface back through like this little hole and she's like mom mom and dude the mum picks the lock on the bathroom door like she's got a in like six hanger. seconds she's like a master safe cracker it's fucking yeah. incredible so, dude, yeah, like, she really, she's fucking on the ball. But, like, Nancy escapes, she gets out, her mum is there. She's like, oh, mum, I'm sorry, I just slipped getting out of the bath. And her mum's like, oh, okay, I'll go turn down your bed for you. I gotta say, dude, MVP to this mum. Shout out to mums so everywhere. Good. Yeah, really, really make it account. Yeah, but, like, that being said, dude, and I, I want to come back to this. Like, the character, like, I don't want to spoil anything, but, like, literally turns on a dime. Yeah, it's... Fuck, I'm, I'm glad you raised it here because I wasn't sure because I literally put down an MVP here and I'll admit I was like well I guess that's the MVP sorted for this film yeah, and I know. then like we see the second half of the film and it's like what the fuck happened yeah dude like, we'll, we'll come back to it when it starts happening but it literally feels like the writer 
stopped writing the script halfway through, and then someone else picked it up, or they came back to it later, and they were just like, uh, this character's a different character now, because it's literally a turn on a dime from being this, like, super caring, super, like, you know, fancy-dressed mum, like, making warm milk, turning down her bed, jimmying locks to save her daughter from drowning in the bath, to being this, (laughs) yeah, we'll we'll get to it when we get to it, like, it's, it's bizarre. Uh, Mighty Goof here really quick. This is a thing that was written by a fan. Uh, so make for this what you will. When Nancy takes a bath and she gets pulled down by Freddy, when she goes down into the hole, the hole is clearly too small for the size of the bathtub. (laughs) I don't know know what that's supposed to mean. Like, I guess when she's underwater and, like, we can see the hole at the top, like, they're upset that that hole doesn't correspond to the size of the bathtub. But, like, is that that the problem with this scene? Is that what the concern is? It could also... It doesn't have to be, like, the whole bathtub either. It could be, like, a section of the bathtub that he's busted through and he's grabbing it. Like, that is so fucking... That's bizarre, dude. Yeah, but, like, that aside, so, like, of course there's reasons that even, like, you could completely make sense of it, but, like, it's a supernatural man who's attacking children through their dreams, and you're, like, worried that the bathtub hole isn't the right size. <laughs> I know we've had a lot of mighty goofs here, but we're getting towards the end of some of the, the better ones, and this is, this one is perplexing. Ooh. I'm intrigued. Spin me an enigma, dude. I'm excited. So Nancy's, like, sitting in a room. She's watching TV. She's watching the, like, iconic, famous, I think, 1981 Evil Dead. It's, like, a classic horror film considered one of the goriest movies ever made. And there's, like, shots from the film on screen. But the audio that's playing is also audio from the movie, but from a different part of the movie. So, like... That kind of supports my theory that all the audio is dubbed, right? Because, like, they would have been like, oh, and here's the scene where she's watching Evil Dead, so we need some audio from Evil Dead, so I guess just pull some random audio from Evil Dead, rather than pulling the audio from the scene that's actually on screen here. That's that's so bizarre, dude. How would that even occur? The screaming is from the spooky tree scene, if you've ever seen the movie. Like, the audio that's actually playing is from the scene where the lady's being fucked up by that scary tree. Uh, But, like, the scene is just a different scene in the movie. So, like, you know, make of that what you will. Well, dude, it was probably someone that was trying to watch Evil Dead and also The Nightmare on Elm Street at the same time, synced up. And like that's yeah, when they so noticed. that the scene like, played at the exact right time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a Wizard of Oz um, Pink Floyd thing. Yeah, definitely, dude. You ever done that? You ever tried it? No, I've done some other sort of sync stuff, which I've always found to be pretty cool, but I've never done the, the Wizard of Oz Pink Floyd one. Ah, uh, dude, tell me about your movie soundtrack sync life. Oh, well, like, it's... Okay, this is... Uh, it's gonna be really dumb now. Uh, it's actually... It's it's for the, the most recent um, series of Twin Peaks. There was a theory that, uh, part, like, the final two parts, 17 and 18, uh, are potentially... You're able to watch them simultaneously. Because, um, like, certain scenes li- line up and that sort of thing, which I did. Doesn't work perfectly, but there are certain <laughs> moments where you're kind of like, oh, fuck, that might have been... Like, like it's very likely probably just, like, accidental. But, like, certain things... You talk about, like, the meaning of the show is and that sort of thing. It's It's kind of... I don't know, it's kind of fascinating. At this point, Glenn shows up, tapping on Nancy's window. And he's like, you ever stand on your mum's trellis in your bare feet? Well... That's your choice, Glenn. You didn't have to go over there on your bare yeah. feet. You decided to go over there on your bare feet. So don't complain about the fact that you're not wearing shoes. Like, Nancy reacts to Glenn as though she was expecting Glenn to come because she has a admission 
admittedly pretty good plan about what she wants to do here. She's like, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to investigate this whole spooky Freddy thing. At this point, we must acknowledge Glenn's not buying it. Like, he doesn't know what's going on. He thinks, yeah. he's like convinced that Rod killed Tina. F- fair enough. And she's like, all right, Glenn, all I need you to do is stay awake. And if it looks like I'm struggling, like it looks like I'm having a nightmare, I just need you to wake me up. And Glenn's like... Oh, no, because the lights go out and he thinks it's smooch time, but it's not smooch time. It's Glenn sitting in the dark and staring at sleeping. It's never smooch time for you. It's never smooch time for Glenn. That's true, but they are dating because, like, when when he tries to smooch her the first time, she's like, "Oh, not tonight, Glenn." Like, she's not like, "Get away from me, Glenn." She's like, "No, sorry, I'm yeah, not really feeling there's it." There's the right whole now. there's the whole morality sucks thing, and also the fact that like horror movies need a virgin to be able to like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. to move I mean, forward with the plot, you know? <laughs> of course, but like, I don't know. The implication is, I guess, that they have been smooching before, but like, I guess they're not smooching. At least they're not fucking. Anyway. <laughs> the, the sort of, like, blurring lines between dream and reality, that's pretty remakeable. Like, I really like that idea. And there's, there's Dude, a that's bit of my like, favourite thing. Like, I adore that. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, Wes. Give it to me. Th- On a plate, please. There's a bit of, like, weird, like, dream ruminations in this film. And they're, they're pretty fucking good. But, like, yeah. okay, this is the first time where I start to ask the question, like, what are the rules? What are the yes. rules in this world? Because, like, she's like... She's walking through the town, like the dream version of her town. Like she's, I guess it's Elm Street. And she's like, wait, Glenn? Glenn, are you still watching? And I'm like, wait, hang on. Is she talking to the awake Glenn while she's in a dream? Is she lucid dreaming? She also, she also sees Glenn. Yeah, Glenn steps out of a hedge. And he's like, yeah, I'm still watching, so what? And she's like, okay, great. And dude, he just recedes back into the hedge. Like, and so it's like, kind of like, yeah, d- d- can external stimulus enter the dream without waking like, her up? Like, And what? can she engage with the external stimulus, like... like consciously like is she yeah. actually asleep if she's like so like in the in in the idea was that like she's asleep but her sleeping body said the words glenn are you still watching and then glenn responded and appeared in her dream like what are the rules about the dream space here and if like bizarre, ex- if external stimuli don't wake her up how do any of the alarm clocks work like what is the- <sighs> i just like the the one thing i loathe in films is in- a lack of internal logical consistency and this movie has it in spades, I must yeah. say. As much as I enjoy yeah. this movie, there's some bullshit going on about like the waking, dreaming world. And it only gets worse, but we'll come back to that later. Of course, she sees Freddy, and she's like, yeah, she, she walks over to the police station and sees like Rod asleep in the police station, the dream yeah, version of the Freddy's police station. Yeah, Freddy's fucking with him. Yeah, Freddy's... I've got the going. She's looking at Freddy fucking with Rod. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that, that's wait, literally wait. what the scene is. Like, It's just kind of like, yeah. Freddy, what are you doing? Yeah, he's just like sp- stunting on Rod, I guess. But Rod, who is asleep and isn't seemingly experiencing anything. Like, it's another thing. It's the same thing with like, like Freddy going through the wall from earlier. Like, who is that for? And yeah. is, he, is he just practicing? Like, is he just kind of like, cool, cool. So I'm going to just go run through what I'm going to do later tonight. I'll go there. I'll do a little practice run. Then I'll go back and I'll actually do it for real later on. Yeah, dude, like, he's rehearsing his, his prop comedy. Yeah. But also, dude, yeah, in terms of like, okay, so he's fucking with Rod. He's fucking with Rod in like Nancy's dream. Again, yeah. what are the rules here? Do they share a dream space? There's no explaining the dream logic in these movies. And I gotta say, at this point, like, so she sees Freddy, Freddy's like chasing her around, and I'm kind of like, alright, I'm a little over like near miss Freddy chases, but all yeah. of the dream stuff is quite good. Like she's trying to run up the stairs and her feet 
get like stuck in the staircases, you know, like spooky dream logic. Like, you know how when you're trying to run in a dream and you just keep like falling over or you're just running really slow and you can't go faster. Like, yeah. this is like, you know, this is an on film representation of that. Like, it's pretty cool. Like, it's it's actually quite affecting. Like, that she's like trying to get up the stairs and getting her feet stuck in this Man, like, the, the stairs thing is just fucking cool. Yeah. I gotta say, dude, spooky, weird dream logic. Very remakeable. I've got to give an LVP to Glenn because, like, Nancy, the alarm goes off, Nancy wakes up. Yeah, so so it's like she, she, we we got to clarify, she's being attacked by Freddy. She's expecting, like, so they end up back in her bedroom. She's, like, wrestling with Freddy. She's yelling, like, Glenn, Glenn, wake me up, Glenn. But, like, Glenn's fucking asleep because this motherfucker cannot stay awake. And then the alarm goes off, which wakes her up, which, again, like, do external stimulus work or not? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so she, she wakes up because of this fucking alarm clock, and she's really mad at Glenn. Understandably. I agree with you. Yeah. LVP. Fucking Gotta LVP. He, he had one job, and she wakes up, and she's just kind of like, Glenn, you bastard. Which, for like, me, is a title pitch. Glenn, you bastard? Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not too shabby. I would, uh, if, if I could, borrow you for a second, and uh, actually roll into some taglines for this movie for you. Oh, please. I would love you to do that. Now, here's the thing, Benjamin. Okay. I know I know you love playing these games. Well, I'm not sure if you do love playing the game. Um, <laughs> these games enrage and delight me in equal yeah. measure. Because, yeah. well, like, there's something joyful about them, but also the, the lack of any kind of consistent logic in the way they pick these things is uh, continually troubling. I, I'm, I'm very aware of that. And so this week, you're going to be spared some, some delight, unfortunately, and also some enragement, <laughs> because... Okay. We just have too many taglines to get through here that I can't waste the amount of time it would take to fucking bullshit with you about two fake uh, taglines and all that. I just have to try and get through them, dude. Okay, so, number one of 20. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. She's the only one who can stop it, dot, dot, dot. If she fails... No one survives. What? <laughs> no one survives? Yeah. Particularly given that Freddy seems to only pop up in the dreams of children. It's and pati- only in the dreams of specific children in yeah. Elm Street. And also, I don't want to spoil it, like, by the time they actually get to the final confrontation, Freddy goes down so easy. Like, yeah. what is the what is the implication that, like, oh, if Nancy can't take him down, well, then we're all fucked. number two if nancy doesn't wake up screaming she won't wake up at all okay kind of like (laughs) okay (laughs) she does wake up not screaming at multiple times in the film yeah number three the kids of elm street don't know it yet but something is coming to get them in their dreams (laughs) (laughs) okay i mean that's fair enough yeah number one one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Pretty classic. Another yep. one from Suspense Master Wes Craven, which I love as a title, by the way. Yeah, um, like as, as like a, a like a, a moniker. Yeah, the the director of The Hills Have Eyes and The Last House on the Left comes a new film of fantasy terror. So you know, okay, that's not a tagline. That's a yeah. blur. <laughs> yes, yeah. just that's not a, a, a tagline. Um, what next? One of my personal favorites. Watch this. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. Watch this exclamation mark. Oh my god. Which I think is very fun. Holy shit, is Wes Craven dead? I think so, dude. Oh my god, did he die in 2015? That is so sad. I didn't know that. Yeah, this is our memorial episode in in memoriam. Yeah, Uh, three is too late. Next one up. Uh, I'm just going to run through a few of these now. You won't be sleeping alone. There's something out there. 
<laughs> this one, don't fall asleep, exclamation mark, I quite like. <laughs> Welcome to your nightmare, is on there. This next one, this next one gets a little bit abstract and I kind of like it. Midnight, baseball bats, and boogeymen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, I'm sorry. That is a line from the movie, but if you were going to try and describe this movie with a line from the movie, would it really be Midnight Baseball Bats and Boogeyman? Is that where you go? Like, is that how you're going to sum up A Nightmare on Elm Street? Jesus Christ. Next up, come to Freddy. Not Fred, Freddy. Important distinction. Oh, okay, um, so that's not the tagline. The tagline isn't not Fred, Freddy. No, that no, 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 no. So that, that was my editorialization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, what's in a dream anyway? Kind of an important question to ponder, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, dream a little nightmare of me. Okay. Okay, that's... I mean, yeah. they could have just gone dream a little dream of me. Like, yeah. they, they didn't need to... That, no. That's a bit You're right. Much. Like, the poster could have gauche. just been... Like, the, the poster could have just been a picture of Freddy looking all spooky with the tagline, dream a little dream of me. Like, that would have been kind of cool. But no, dream a little nightmare of me because subtlety doesn't exist in Hollywood. Yeah, it's uh, it could be that exact same image with the tagline, meet the glove. Wait, what? Meet the glove? Meet the glove. Is that that really a tagline? Meet the glove? (laughs) Jesus, is that like the the, the spooky version of talk to the hand? I think so, dude. The next one is, the next one's kind of self-critical. It's like something from a nightmare. Um, so that's, that's kind of fun. The first word in terror from the, the director of Scream? Sure. Sleep kills. Uh-huh. Um, a scream that wakes you up might be your own. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> a scream that wakes you up might be your own? Dot, dot, dot. Is there any editing on these? Or is it literally like a bunch of execs sit around a boardroom and pitch taglines and all of them get used? The last one. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep, dot, dot, dot. Or you'll meet the terrifying Freddy. (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of clumsy, to be honest. I don't know. Clumsy is the right word for that. Don't fall asleep or you'll meet the terrifying Freddy. That yeah. is so fucked. A uh, couple of things I want to draw your attention to. So I was asking if Wes Craven was dead because I was on Wes Craven's Wikipedia page and I was looking at his date of death. Uh, the first thing that I want you to know about Wes Craven, you know how when you, when you see someone on like Wikipedia and there's like a thing that's like spouse and that lists all their spouses and then it's like children and then it lists the number of children they have? Mm-hmm. This is what it says on the Wes Craven. Children, two, including Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surprisingly. He got so left jo- out of the will, but like I guess technically Jonathan. Yeah, I mean, if you include Jonathan, <laughs> then technically there's two. <laughs> Like, you know, didn't didn't want to get too out there. I did want to say though, dude, I'm so glad that uh, you've you've brought all of these different taglines to my attention because this afternoon I was doing a little research. Like, mm. I don't know if you know, there's a lot of these movies, man, and the the titles of these movies just get fucking. They insane. get fucking yeah, buck wild, and, dude. Definitely. And Nightmare on Elm Street two, Freddy's Revenge, and Nightmare on Elm Street three, Dream Warriors, and Nightmare on Elm Street four, The Dream Master. That's my favorite by far. And I, well, don't sleep on a Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, or <laughs> Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, 
followed by oh, Wes Craven's new nightmare. <laughs> oh, man. Are there fucking seven of these films? The, uh, oh, dude, then there's Freddy vs. Jason, and then there's the 2010 reboot of the franchise. But I just I just wanted to point out quickly, uh, because when I was, I was kind of like doing a little a digging on uh, these various different movies, uh, because I just wanted to know how many there were and stuff, and I accidentally stumbled upon some taglines for Ooh. A Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Uh, the Dream Child. I'm excited, dude. I'm, I feel like the tables have been turned. It's, it's exciting for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I hope you're ready for your own fucking game to turn back on you. <laughs> okay, here are the taglines for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. It's a boy! <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about... Roll over, Beethoven. It's Freddy's fifth. That is such an esoteric tagline. Like the the idea that people are going to associate the fifth movie in the Elm Street franchise with Beethoven's fifth symphony. Like that is fucked up. Well, quite possibly uh, my second favorite. This is the tagline. Freddy has a son. That's it. Just that's like just a description of the movie. Or the best one, the main tagline. Now Freddy's a daddy, he's killing for two. It's uh, all A Nightmare on Elm Street 5 colon The Dream Child 1989 directed by Stephen Hopkins. So, you know. Shall we get back into this movie? Jesus, we've spent too long dallying on these taglines. I know. Uh, So, Nancy and Glenn go to the police station because now Nancy thinks that Rod is going to die because she saw Freddy fucking with him. And Glenn says something so strange to try and convince uh, the police sergeant to let them go hang out with Rod. This is a title pitch for me. We have reason to believe that there might be something very strange going on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what fucking an, no shit, Glenn. Yeah, like, what an ineffective thing to say. And of course, like, the police sergeant comes out and he's like, well, yeah, obviously, there's a dead kid and shit. Rod's bedsheets are, like, coiling up into a rope and he's getting strung up in his cell. They get there, like, just as he's starting to get, like, choked out by these bedsheets that are strangling him to death. And he's dead. Wow, that was quick. No recovery? Okay, no chance of resuscitation. Don't worry about it. He's just dead now. Not a super spooky death, either. And just, like, not... Not... Yeah, just not great in general. We then, like, roll from here after seeing Nancy not really that freaked out. Um, We then jump ahead to the funeral of Rod, where we have the priest saying... (laughs) one (laughs) One of my favorite lines from the film in regards to Rod... He who lives by the sword dies by the sword. What a fucked up thing to say at the funeral of a literal child! He's a child! child He was was accused of murder, and they're like, He who lives by the sword shall die by the sword? How fucked up is that? Surely the story is that he committed suicide. Yeah, exactly. So, what does that mean? What's that... What's the sword? Is he meant to be like, it's a double-edged sword? Like, what, what is this metaphor? Maybe the sword is his own hand. He who, like, murders someone commits suicide in that context. It's just a... F- regardless of whatever the reason is, it's a fucked up thing to say at the funeral of a literal child. So they're leaving the funeral, and Nancy finally mentions to her parents her dreams with some degree of specificity. Like, rather than just being like, oh, I had a bad dream, she's like, I dreamed about a man in a sweater, and he's got a knifey glove. And her parents look at each other like, oh, fuck. That... Yeah, they, they know something. They know something. Yeah. It, but, like, you know, in their defense... They haven't been keeping this from their children for years. Like, this is the first time Nancy's mentioned any of this. So, 
fucking Nancy's mum is like, oh, I'm going to get her some help. I'm going to get her some help. And the cop, like Lieutenant Thompson, is like, yeah, that sounds great. So they take her to this sleep study place where she's getting all electrodes put on and she's going to sleep. And Nancy's mum's hanging out with the sleep scientist. And we get a nice little rumination on the nature of dreams as Nancy's falling asleep. Her mum says, what are dreams anyway? Which could be a title pitch. It's Doctor Who actually ended up giving an MVP to for this line. Where he's where after she's like, what even are dreams? And he's just kind of like, mysteries, incredible body hocus pocus. Which I just think <laughs> is just such a good way of describing what dreams are from yeah. a medical professional who studies sleep. And just he's being like, like yeah, we don't to know. Be with you, we don't even know what they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't actually get to see Nancy's dream in this scenario, but she must be having a Freddy dream because like they're looking at some numbers on the screen, and he's like, oh, she's currently at a three. If she was having a nightmare, she'd be at a six. And then we watch the numbers go like 15, 20, 30, 40. And he's like, what? They never go this high. And then yeah. they like run into the room and she's like flailing and screaming and she wakes up. And what's that? She's got a MAGA hat. Or not a MAGA hat, but Freddy's actual <laughs> fedora. Yeah, and, and uh, everyone is horrified that she would be uh, like wearing a fedora. Everyone's like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I brought something back. I took it right off his head. And they're all like, where did you get it? Where did you get it? And she's like, I just told you. I took, I took it right off his head. And she's just well, and got here's the, the th- hat here's now. the thing. They must have monitored her going in. Yeah, exactly. So they, mu- they, they had to know that, that like, that's the only way it could have happened. And so regardless of like what, whether she's telling the truth or not or something like that, they know that she's pulled this hat from like the ether and no one's remotely concerned about it. No, dude, they, they just aren't asking enough questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that much is clear. They just are not concerned. Um, I guess the so, important takeaway is here is that Nancy, although she realized she could get hurt in a dream le- earlier, she now knows that she can bring things in and out of dreams. It's also worth noting here real quick is that Nancy looks terrific for not having slept in like four or five days. Like it's a like I'm not sure what she's on, but like, <laughs> like the, the film keeps being like, "You look terrible." She's she hasn't slept for like four or five days straight. She looks pretty good. It's the next morning. She's hanging out with her mum in the kitchen, and they have such a weird conversation. Like I have so many problems with this conversation. She she's like, "I found a name in the hat. It says Fred Krueger," and her mum's like, um, "What are you talking about?" And she's like, "Do you know something about this, mum? Like why like why?" would Nancy think her mum would know something about Fred Krueger? Like, where does that come from? She has no motivation to believe that she would have any idea who Fred Krueger is. Then she's like, oh, maybe I should just become an alcoholic like you. Yeah, she goes hard on her mum for alcoholism, which also comes out of nowhere. Exactly. Okay, so this was was my major complaint. At this point, it was like, she's an alcoholic. I was like, is there any evidence for that? Like, literally all we've seen of this mum so far is her being so hands-on and so caring and so, like, jimmying open locked doors, making warm milk, turning down the bed, trying to make sure her daughter's sleeping well. And then all of a sudden she's like, you're an alcoholic bitch, mum. And then, dude, this is the point where, like, we, we alluded to it earlier, where the, the character just turns on a dime and becomes... Dude, it's like Schrodinger's alcoholic mum. Like, she, like, like <laughs> yeah. perceives her as being an alcoholic and then instantly she is. Yeah, so, so then the mum says something like, Fred Krueger can't hurt you anymore, Nancy. He's long dead. And then Nancy's like, what? 
you knew who Fred Krueger was this whole time and you've been keeping it from me. But, like, <laughs> she only mentioned her dreams with any degree of specificity, like, earlier that day, for all we know. Like, at the <laughs> funeral, before she went to that sleep study place. Like, her parents had no reason to tell her about this random dude until, like, a few hours ago. It, like, she gets so irrationally angry at her mum here. Like, it, it really just... I hate this scene. I hate it so much. So she goes to hang out with Glenn. They're hanging out on a bridge. Glenn's, like, eating a burger. Like, seems, like, so untraumatized by the death of ostensibly two of his best friends. Like, he just doesn't... <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. He's eating a hamburger, memeing about lucid dreams. Like, he's like, oh, I heard Tibetan monks used to have magic. Yeah, wasn't, like, Balinese dreams, I think he's talking about? Like, Yeah, he, he, he's like, oh, you know, you can just say that your dream doesn't have any power over you and then you rob it of all of its power and it's just like okay shit I wonder if that's going to be important but yeah. whatever so Nancy's but also where did you learn that Glenn like yeah, what fucking, fucking like documentary were you watching on your shitty TV where you were like oh Balinese oh, dreams yeah. cool I also love the concept of like a portable in bed TV that like these 80s kids have it's so <laughs> oh, good God. Um, so yeah like Nancy's standing on the bridge while Glenn's eating a burger like she's reading a book he grabs her book, and here's a mighty goof for you. In fact, here are two. First one. When Glenn grabs Nancy's book about booby traps, he reads the cover with the book still open. Like, he's holding the book open to the page she's looking at, and he's like, huh, booby traps? And then, like, but yeah, I guess Nancy wants to make booby traps. That's something important to consider. This is another goof that a, that a fan wrote in about on IMDb, listed under continuity. So, make of this what you will. The size of the pimple on Nancy's forehead changes from Fuck scene to scene. off. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> off with that, Benjamin. <laughs> oh, I have so many... Oh, you, you know how many things I hear in a day to have to hear that and try and put it in this head of mine? Like, Somebody good God. was so upset about that. Like, the fact that, like, oh. maybe they filmed this movie over a couple of weeks and they didn't film it in, like, movie chronological order. <laughs> That's so fucking pimple. dumb, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. The size of the pimple on Nancy's forehead changes from scene to scene. So there you go. That's something that you gotta know. So Nancy goes home. She sees her mother. Her mother does this powerful cigarette light. Oh, dude. I, I had here. She strikes a pose in a very cool way. She, she pulls Nancy down into the basement and she's like, I was wrong not to tell you about Freddy sooner. Again, I don't actually agree because she only <laughs> mentioned things that can be connected with Freddy like reasonably recently, but whatever. And she explains Freddy's spooky backstory. So she's like, Freddy, uh, Fred, Fred Krueger was a guy who, he was a filthy child murderer and he murdered a bunch of kids years ago. Kids a lot of us parents knew. So, you know, then they arrested him and he went to trial, but he got away on a technicality. So we all found him in this warehouse and we lynched him. They burned it to the ground with him inside. Like they burned it to death. She says the line, Fred can't hurt you anymore. He's dead, honey, because mommy killed him. Oh my God. <laughs> so a title pitch. Much. He's dead yeah. <laughs> because mommy killed him. That's gotta like be a that title a lot, pitch. dude. So we get Freddy's spooky backstory, which is highly remakeable. The concept of a spooky backstory for your, like, main antagonist, I like that a lot. Yeah, definitely, definitely. She has kept Freddy's glove, like, yeah, over the glove. years. Just yeah. like, why? Like, yeah, why would this? you do that? Yeah, but, and, like, why are you also an alcoholic, but also, like, an hour ago, you were, like, real fresh and real cool? Like, yeah, what's happening Yeah, she was so nice earlier, and now she's so spooky. Like, this scene, she's like, he's dead, honey, because mommy killed him. 
you can get some sleep now. Like, that yeah. is so fucked up. Like, she's, it's night and day, dude. She's become so spooky in such a short amount of time. And I've got one more mighty goof written by fans, which I actually agree with. It's established in later films that 1428 Elm Street is Freddy's house. 1428 Elm Street what well, was Freddy's house. 1428 Elm Street, of course, being the house that uh, the Thompson family lives in. Why would two of the people who killed him then move into his house? (laughs) 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 So I guess, like, in this franchise, Freddy was this child murderer. Then, like, all these, like, you know, young adults, I guess, because obviously the kids weren't born at this point, I suppose, get together and, like, lynch this child murderer who got away on a technicality. And then two of them are like, (laughs) that's a nice house, though. (laughs) Hey, it's going cheap, you know, and this is it's yeah. location, 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 you know. Uh, Nancy's back in her room. She's on the phone to Johnny Depp's Glenn. And at this point, dude, I got to give an MVP, not to Glenn, but to oh, Johnny Depp. Oh, fuck yes, dude. For the yes. fucking crop the top fashions. he's wearing, dude. Oh, dude he's wearing so like a, good. He's wearing a football jersey crop top that exposes his midriff. And it she's talking. so fresh. Oh, she's talking to him. She's explaining her plan. She's like... Here's what's going to happen. Uh, meet me at midnight at the back of my house. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to get Freddy. I realized I can bring things back into the like living space. I'll drag him back in and you beat the crap out of him. And he's like, how am I supposed to beat the crap out of him? And she says, you're the jock. You have a baseball oh, bat or something. At this point, I've noted down, is, is Johnny Depp a jock? Like, has anyone ever <laughs> described Johnny Depp as a jock? Is that a thing? That feels like that feels like a, an artistic leap. And this is where, of course, he then hangs up and says that famous line from the tagline, what is it, like, midnight, baseball bats, and boogeymen? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> but of course, what does Glenn do straight he away? the fuck out. <laughs> this guy sucks, dude. He's so bad. He's awful. He cannot stay awake, man. Like, how hard is it? It's midnight. It's not like she was like, stay up all night and meet me at four in the morning. She was like, midnight? <laughs> and he's like, nah. Cannot do it. We meet Glenn's parents for the first time, and oh, oh. boy, this is weird. So Glenn's mum comes in and starts this back and forth with her son, where she's essentially like, "It's time for bed. You should you should go to sleep. What are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, Miss, is it Miss Nude America is coming Miss on? Miss Nude America is about to be on, mum." And she's like, "How can you listen to your records and watch TV at the same time? How do you know what she's saying?" And then and then he's like, "Oh, I don't care about what she's saying." And the mum's like, "Oh, you." Yeah, I know. What is this characterization of the mother as like, oh, my high school age son, yeah, watch some porn. Oh, disrespecting women? Oh, how fucking quaint. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking bizarre. This is the point I've written down. Okay, Nancy's mum has officially done the MVP LVP traverse here. Yeah, she She's really has. So creepy and weird. She's like, sleep, baby, sleep. You can get some sleep because I've locked you in. I've locked all the doors. You can't get out. It's just like, Jesus Christ. Like, I hate this character now, and she was so good before. Nancy, like, immediately reaches under her bed and pulls out a fully brewed pot of coffee that was just <laughs> sitting under the bed. So now we're meeting Glenn's parents for the first time, like, an hour into a 90-minute movie. They <laughs> are standing on their porch, and they're like, okay, I gotta ask, because, like, we, we got, like, a, a completely unnecessary shot of, like, 
uh, Heather Langenkamp, like, taking off her shirt, and, like, we see, like, the sides of her boobs from behind as she's changing into another shirt. Like, a thoroughly unnecessary thing. We then immediately cut to, like, Glenn's parents, like, looking at the house that she's in. Are they watching her change? And then immediately complaining about it. They're like, mm, she's a weirdo. I don't want her hanging out with our son anymore. I bet she's deranged, and that's why there's bars on the window. Now we're back in Nancy's house. Nancy's, like, peeking out her bedroom door and seeing her mum just straight pounding spirits out of a bottle. So I guess they're like, this is where I've written down, this is literally a different movie around the, like, 45-minute mark. Like, this oh character is just not the same person. Uh, eventually the mum goes to bed Nancy calls Glenn but his parents are absolute fuckers and like they're like oh, we don't want you talking to our son and then they like leave the phone off the hook yeah I mean, I mean LVP because like Glenn's dad literally kills his son <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. He is responsible for the death of his son. There's no doubt. Yeah. So, uh, Nancy's there. The phone rings. She picks it up. And, like, we get a pretty good title pitch from Freddy Krueger whispering in Nancy's ears. Because I guess we're now in the, like, fucking half-dream, half-reality space. Yeah. And Freddy says, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. <laughs> Which is a very good title pitch. And then the fucking bottom half of the phone becomes Freddy's mouth and tongue. And it's very, yeah. very off-putting. It's very gross. And, like, you know, we, we get a whole bunch more shit where it's like, okay, so I guess she's fallen asleep, like, while she was expecting to meet Glenn or whatever. What are the rules here? It's not exactly clear. Now we're looking at Glenn, who's sitting in his bed, and... Oh boy, this is a lot. Glenn, like an arm comes up out of Glenn's bed and grabs him and drags him down into the mattress. And then immediately, like, fucking 500,000 liters. Torrents, dude. You'd have to describe it as torrents. Of blood just starts spewing up out of the bed. Just, like, spraying into the ceiling of Glenn's room. Like, it is so much blood. Glenn just got fucking iced and the next thing that happens is like the fucking police roll up on the scene and we hear like one person exclaim to like the paramedics who are going in with a stretcher like you won't need a stretcher up there you'll need a mop <laughs> kind of insensitive when the family members are still in the like, house within earshot like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so fucked up nancy's dad shows up the lieutenant and he's like don't tell me it's another one that's a direct <laughs> <laughs> yes, another child murder. At this point, I've written down, by the way, fuck this guy, man. Like, Nancy's dad, like, LVP. Did we nominate him earlier? If not, I'm nominating him now. He doesn't seem yeah, to he's... give a shit about his daughter or trust his daughter. Also, like, all of her friends are now dead, and yet, like, literally, like, her three closest friends have all died within a few days, and this, like, supposedly skilled detective, like, refuses to see a connection. So, yeah, I guess, like, at this point, like, Nancy calls her dad, and she's like... Dad, is is Glenn dead? And he's like, yeah, he's he's dead, Nancy. And it's just like, gee, way to be sensitive about your daughter's boyfriend dying. Like, that is so fucked up. And Nancy's yeah. like, Dad. Nancy's like, Dad, I figured it out. I'm going to go in the dream world and I'm going to do something. All I need is you to come here in 20 minutes. And he just like straight ignores her plan like he's so dismissive of her and she like he's like yeah 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 baby get some sleep get some sleep yeah yeah yeah. and she's like will you be here in 20 minutes and he's like yeah yeah i'll totally be there in 20 minutes don't worry don't worry i'll definitely be there but like in such an unconvincing way why does she believe her dad that like he's believing her now and he's actually gonna come like that is just completely insane to me so yeah 
she's going to war here though dude like she's making traps like she's rigging off a sledgehammer in front of her oh, door dude. she's like yeah, pouring she fucking home alone the whole place dude. she home alones oh. it man she's making these home alone ass traps she gets in bed she does this little prayer the like uh, if I die before I wake I pray to the lord my soul yeah dude take. she fucking like sings a bit she, she sings a bit of Metallica into Sandman to get her to sleep I yeah. love it she's a real Beware the word open <laughs> 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 I used to play a little World of Warcraft, as I believe you're aware, like as I've referred to on this uh, on this podcast before. This year, I this believe. year program, yeah. Or perhaps on uh, HWA. I had a friend who was like really deep on uh, on World of Warcraft, and he used to make like videos of himself, Fuck like off, playing dude. WoW, and like put them on YouTube. And they were like videos of him. He was like a horde. I think he was like a fucking. Um, what word, like a troll rogue and he was like really good and he would like sneak into like Ironforge the like alliance headquarters during vanilla wow and like hide and like pop out and like murder like players playing alliance and he used to post these videos on youtube with the soundtrack enter sandman by metallica Dude, so that is I have the like- freshest thing i've heard in so long <laughs> <laughs> I have a very specific association with that song. For me, it's associated with, like, these hardcore WoW videos of this guy, like, slaughtering Alliance plebs in Ironforge. Dude, do you have, like, a very specific Google short link to some of these videos that I can then watch? Because I really want to. Honestly, dude, I will try and dig them up. If I can find them, we'll put them in the show notes. Shout out to Yeah, we'll throw them on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Tom, if you're listening, uh, sorry for putting you on blast so hard. I'll try and broadcast your, like, 2008 WoW videos. Oh, I'm so excited, dude. Okay, oh, at this point I gotta ask, why doesn't Nancy just get on the Uberman cycle, dude? You know, like, that polyphasic sleep? Like, why doesn't she just sleep in six 20-minute shifts throughout the day? It'll throw uh, Freddy off as well, because he needs so much prep for his practical effects. Exactly. That if you're always, like, phasing in and out, you're just, like, blinking in and out of his his plane. Like, he'll never be able to do anything. And he won't even know. Like, there'll probably only be, like, two of those six 20-minute windows where he's even, like, ready to get you with his prop. We're heading into the final confrontation. Nancy's in the dream world now. Uh, she's expecting her dad to come get her. Her boyfriend's dead. She doesn't care. She doesn't really give a <laughs> shit. She's uh, she she goes down into the dream version of her own basement. She sees that the glove is missing from the furnace where her mom showed it to her before. She finds another secret door in the basement that she goes down into, which like I guess it makes sense that this is Freddy's house as per that goof. So yeah, dude. This brave teen, like, she she just will, like, she has, as you said, unconquerable courage. She goes downstairs, she finds, like, a spooky room that I guess Freddy hangs out in. Her crucifix is there, like, why do we care about this? What impact is that supposed to have? I don't know. Uh, Freddy's there, of course. He pops out. She screams and runs away. And I'm like, what was the plan? Like, wasn't the plan to find Freddy? Like, why is the fact that he's there, like, so, like, awful that she, like, turns around and like sprints away she was trying to find him she was trying to find him why did that surprise her she bursts through a door and like jumps out like a window and like it's that spooky dream logic because like now she's not in the basement now she's falling out of her bedroom window like into her front garden that was actually pretty cool so yeah that was cool She's, like, wrestling Freddy in her front garden, but then I guess her watch alarm goes off and, like, wakes her up, and, like, now she's in the real world, and Freddy's there! So forget about the fact that that's incompatible with the other ways we've seen the, like, dream-to-wake traverse work. Now Freddy's in the real world, I guess, and it's time for Nancy to spring the trap. This movie is Home Alone, and Freddy (laughs) is just getting dunked on by Nancy's traps, dude! 
Like, yes, yeah, so I, I guess it's almost the, comical. It is. It looks. It's like it's played for laughs. Like, it's bizarre. And I guess what we're seeing here is that Freddy outside of the dream world. Oh, here's the thing. Part of it's like. I guess he doesn't have the same power that he does, but he also exhibits some power here. It's very fucking bizarre and makes yeah. no sense whatsoever. That's what I wanted to know. Like, can he just be killed in the dream world? Or is he, like, not... Like, does he have magic here? Does he only have magic in, yeah, like, special space? Another thing I wanted to know, like, if Freddy can get back into the human world by just touching a kid when they wake up, why didn't he do that earlier? Like, surely that's an easy way for him to just be alive yeah. again. Like, if he's dead and he's salty about the fact that he's dead, wouldn't he want to just come back to life by just grabbing a kid and waking them up? Maybe it's like an Animorphs thing. Like, if he, yeah. like, comes into the real world for too long, then he becomes, like, just a regular person and loses his, like, special powers, which he's just grown attached to. You know, maybe that's it. So, Freddy runs out of Nancy's... Did you like that to... Animorphs reference, dude, by yeah, the way? I Tobias did, from dude. Animorphs? Did you like yeah, that? Yeah, like... Like Tobias, who becomes a what is it, a lion, uh, a hawk? Is he He's a, a hawk? Stuck in hawk. I feel like we've talked about Tobias from Animorphs before. I mean, maybe may, probably in person. Like he's he's a real role model. <laughs> <in person. laughs> he runs out of her bedroom. He gets fucking nailed in the chest by a sledgehammer. Oh. He falls down the stairs. He ends up in the living room. Nancy detonates a bomb she set up. Fucking hell, dude. <laughs> like, that her drunk mum didn't realise. Like, what the fuck, dude, has this film become? Like, Nancy is crushing it, dude. Like, she's, she doesn't need any help at all. Like, this is one of these things that always fucks me up in these horror movies when it's like, the final confrontation, like, they haven't got some, like, special weapon or some special power-up. Like, it turns out the way to beat them was just to, like, beat the shit out of them. Which yeah. is basically what Nancy does here. Like, she hasn't learned anything that helps her. She hasn't got any new powers. She's just like, what if I just fought him? <laughs> and then she sets all these traps. Yeah, I've and always just- run away. What if I just yeah. did the opposite now? What if I just like tried to fight him? Meanwhile, she's like, like she's like, where's my dad? Like my dad was supposed to come. She's like knocking out the windows, but of course she can't get outside because her mum put the bars on. And she's like screaming at like the deputy in the front lawn, like get my dad, get my dad. Like this deputy's seeing windows get smashed out. He's hearing explosions that Nancy's got in the house. He's so slow to react. Dude. He's seeing his boss's daughter scream, "Get my dad! The killer's in here!" And he's like. Oh, gee, I better go tell the chief. <laughs> like, yeah. Ten minutes into it. And then, of course, like, the chief comes over. They fucking, like, they're a little slow. She, like, corners Freddy down in the basement. She covers him in oil and sets him on fire, dude. Like, she doesn't need any help. She's just <laughs> beating his ass so hard. Nancy gets out, and then he's trying to go grab her dad uh, and be like, come, I got, I got Freddy. He's locked in this room. He's on fire. They go there. He's not in there, but there's, like, uh, like flaming steps leading up to the bedroom. And Nancy's like, oh, shit, mom. And, yeah. like, they run, they run upstairs, avoiding this fire, open the door. And then, like, Freddy's, like, on fire, like, fucking up Nancy's mom. Like, yeah. <laughs> just, and then something bizarre happens where, like, the dad comes in and, like, puts, like, a blanket over him to, like, smother the flames. And when they pull the blanket away, dude, like, we get, okay, one of the times in this movie, in addition to the arms, where the practical effects are so shitty. Yeah. Like, it's like the mum's corpse is on the bed, and it's, like, lit from behind, and it just, like, sinks into the bed, but it's all, like, singed to a crisp, and it looks so terrible. Yeah, and then, it's like, like the bed, doll. The bed seals up over it, and the dad's like, wow. And, the, and Nancy's like, 
do you believe me now? And he just, like, doesn't really even say anything. He doesn't really react to the fact that his ex-wife just got burned to death and sank into a mattress. And he just yeah, leaves. Nobody, nobody reacts to this. Again, like, what the fuck do these people want? Nobody, like, asks what happened. And Nancy's just like, just leave me, Dad. Just leave me for a minute. I'll meet you downstairs. And he's just like, okay. Like, Nancy's dad leaves her in a room where this weird killer just vanished but, like, didn't seem to die or anything. And he, she, he's like, yeah, cool, you, you deal with it. Freddy, like, pops out of the sheet and, like, and, like a big spook. And Nancy's just kind of like, I, I take away all the energy I gave to you. You have no power over me. Bring my friends and family back. And then just turns away from him. Why did she go through all the other rigmarole if this was her plan? Like, why did she set all the traps and try and, like, burn him to death? Why didn't she just say to him? I don't believe in you. I take back all the power I gave you. Because then, like, spoiler, he lunges at her and he, like, fades away into oblivion and he, like, fails to kill her. So Yeah, and the, the, the fade away to oblivion is very fucking funny as well. Yeah, he, like, turns into particles of light. So now yeah. dude, it's the next day and, like, this scene is so weird. Like, if you don't know what's coming, you're like, okay, what the fuck? She walks out of her bedroom door and she's, like, in this, like, foggy sort of world. Her mum is, is back... Oh, fucking hell, this is so funny, dude. Like, her mum like, <laughs> is back looking like a business person. Yeah, yeah, the line is like, you know what, baby? I'm going to stop drinking. I don't feel like it. And it's like, yep. fucking hell, the writer phoned it in that day. Jesus. Then she, like, goes and gets in the car, and it's all her friends. It's Glenn, and it's Rod, and it's Tina, and they're all back alive. And you're like, oh, Jesus, really? All she had to do was say, like, go away, Freddy, and all of a sudden everyone's back alive? And then, dude... The fucking top pulls over on the car, and it's, like, green and red striped, like, in Freddy colours. And the car starts sealing up, and all the kids are, like, screaming in the car, and they can't get out. And the car's, like, driving away down the street, like, implying they're still in Freddy's world, and he's under control. And, like, we get the spooky Freddy song, as the last thing that happens is the mum stands on the porch, and Freddy's arm, like, reaches through the door and, like, yanks her inside. It was spooky, and, like, I guess they didn't kill him after all. I guess we'll never know, because that's the end of the film. So, if you've enjoyed this episode of our, uh, I guess, like, 40% slasher film podcast, still interesting, yeah, uh, you can go check us out on Twitter at SI Curio Show, or me specifically at Mr. BT McAllister. Also, uh, at Curio Network. And you're, of course, at Jackson underscore Usid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look for look, look at us on uh, various different platforms. You'll find us, no doubt. Yeah, we're, we're pretty easy to find, you know. And, like, yeah, happy to talk to about film or anything. I don't know, fucking, like, just get in touch. Who gives yeah, get, get in touch. <laughs> we, we always love hearing from people who, like, give us, like, franchises that they think are cool. We add them to our yeah. like, ever-growing ever list. Because, honestly, we have so many that have been, like, rebooted or remade. But they're always One thing that Hollywood fun. likes doing, it's remaking films, let me tell you. Especially in the, the modern climate. So, uh, yeah. yeah, you know. Tuck right in and and give us your suggestions. That wasn't a weird thing to say, right? Jacko, shall we wrap up some MVPs? Yes, dude. Let's let's, uh, dissect this frog. Oh, dude, I love thumping melons. Who have you got? I've got Tina. I've got the mum. I've got Johnny Depp for wearing that crop top. Yeah. And that's actually all I have. Those are the three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm literally pretty much the same. I'm also... I put forward the actor who played Rod. And I think I had to stand by it, because that's a hard role. And no, like, I think he the played actor it. deserves it. <laughs> oh, I have, I have one more as well. MVP to the doctor who said... 
that dreams are my- mysteries and uh, incredible body hocus pocus. Okay. Uh, allow me to, to posit this, because we've also got LVPs to consider. LVPs, I think, that I had were the mum for the second half of the film, <laughs> the dad of Nancy, uh, and, and Rod, the character. I also had a Glenn as well. Yeah, okay, and Glenn, of course. I would like to posit that Nancy's mum deserves both. The first time one person has gotten both awards. Dude, you, you, you have me... Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm glad we agreed because it's literally two different characters. It's two characters. 100%. The character dude, in the first agree. 45 minutes of the movie is amazing and considerate and caring and loves her kid. The character in the second half of the movie is a useless alcoholic who endangers the life of her child. Like, there's just, there's like, it's night and day. They're not the same person. But I think that explains why they can get both. Yeah, no, I agree, dude. I th- I think she she does it. The L- MVP LVP traverse. She nailed it. The, she walked across the, it. She survived. Shall we do some trivia? I'd love it, dude. New Line Cinema was saved from bankruptcy by the success of the film and was jokingly nicknamed <gasps> the house that Freddie built. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? That's so yeah. interesting. That's crazy. Get oh, dude. March 30, 1990. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Whoa. Okay, that's good. That was the good one. Dude, uh, 90, 91, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret, Secret of the Ooze. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. I'm an ooze boy. We all know this. Um, Man, I always thought New Line was like, okay, um, they've made some shit, dude. Like, oh, dude, Glen Gary, Glenn Ross. Okay, Whoa. so they've... Yeah, there's some good films that are coming out. The Mask? Dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Love it. Over, get this, 500 Gallons of fake blood were used during filming. That is a lot. Oh my god! What kind? So fake blood? Like what's? What was that made of? <laughs> <laughs> Kensington Gore, my friend. Uh, no. I don't know. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I guess I guess different people make it out of different shit. Usually, uh, anytime I've made fake blood for like on stage usage, it's maple syrup and food dye and like mm. some water or something to thin it out a little bit. Because you want it to have like a little bit of viscosity to it, and maple syrup handles that reasonably well. Yeah, there you go. There's, there's, there's a little uh, insider in- industry tip for any budding filmmakers at home. Yeah, here's another one just, for you. Don't just add red food dye, because it'll come out looking way too red and pink. Add a couple drops of blue as well, and then it'll look more like blood. <laughs> here's something interesting. Uh, the original glove used by Freddy was later in uh, Elm Street 2, and was also seen hanging on the wall of the workshed in Evil Dead 2 in response to the use of Evil Dead on a television screen in Iron on Elm Street. That's just kind of cool. Oh, that's so fun. Like, I love those filmmakers just, like, talking like, <laughs> like talking through movies yeah. at each other. Like, did you ever listen to that every little thing about the Wilhelm scream? Oh, yeah, dude. Wilhelm- oh, fuck yeah, dude. So interesting. Also, um, shout out every little thing. Good podcast. Yeah. Oh, by the way, dude, Wes Craven, because, like, he wasn't on the later movies, loaned the glove to A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and it got lost and has never been located. So the original Freddy glove, just somewhere in the ether. Do you reckon Robert Englund took it and, like, just goes home and, like, wears it as a, and he's like, I am Freddy, like, like at home in his, in his real person house? You know, I'd say that's that's probably almost certainly true, and that means it can't be considered libel or slander because it's true. So, yeah. you know what, England, I can't believe you're a horrible thief. <laughs> One of the main reasons Johnny Depp was chosen was because Wes Craven's daughter thought he was dreamy. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, this is interesting. In an interview with Heather Langenkamp, she mentioned that Ronnie Blakely, who played, that's Nancy and her mum, really did slap her during the kitchen scene. However, 
If you watch the scene carefully, you can see that the slap scene in the take used is clearly artificial. So... <laughs> Was it a different take or did she just lie? Maybe she lied, dude. Maybe maybe she dreamt it and she, she has a hard time <laughs> distinguishing now. Yeah, that makes sense. The very first time we see Freddy in the movie, and indeed this decade-spanning franchise, he isn't being played by Robert Englund, but by special effects man Charles Bellardinelli, as Bellardinelli was the only one who knew how to cut the glove and insert the blades. <laughs> so oh. Englund just couldn't do it, so they had to use the stunt guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not even the stunt guy, yeah, the dude. Like the dude that, guy. Ma- that, yeah, he built it himself. If you were gonna rate the remake ability of this franchise, Jackson, what would you give it? I think the remake ability of this franchise. Listen, I think the personally for me, I, I'm always intrigued about like the blurring between like dream and reality. I think Freddy is an interesting villain, and I think he has some spooky powers. I think. He's also not really utilized as good as he could have been here. And so I think there's a lot of good stuff uh, that can be remade here. So I'm going to go 397 of 500 gallons of fake blood. Hey, that's a pretty specific rating, but it's not as specific as mine's about to be, Jackson. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I also agree. I think there's like lots of elements of this that make it remakeable. And I think it's the same with Friday the 13th. A lot of these like fucking classic slasher franchises just have so much in them that is like so ready to be taken on by modern special effects, which is why I got to give this franchise 1330 out of 1428 Elm Street, the address that belonged to Freddy Krueger and then later Nancy's parents. Fucking hell, dude. <laughs> Still Interested is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Ben McAllister and Jackson Usid. We are produced by me, Grace Chapel. Editing by Jackson Usid. Theme music is Anitra's Dance, composed by Edward Grieg. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Curio Network and at SI Curio Show. We'd love to hear from you if you've got thoughts about the show, so find us on Facebook or Twitter. If you like the show, think about giving us a rate and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. It actually is really helpful. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where I talk with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them. Or How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons, where we play D&D. Seriously, it's a lot of fun. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>